And so Lord, this morning we have come to celebrate the life that you have given every single one of us through your son, Jesus Christ. Our Father, when people ask, why did he have to die? It was because of your love for every single one of us. And so this morning, Lord, we've come to worship and praise your name. God the Father, who sent his Son. He came and gave his life so that we would have life. And so, Lord, we come this morning. We want to thank you for what was done on that cross. We want to thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Why don't you take your seats? Hey, thanks, guys. Good morning, everybody. It uh, really is wonderful to have you with us on this Good Friday morning. And again, just a special welcome to all of those uh, of you visiting with us at Highway. We really love to have you with us. We trust you're going to enjoy the service. And can I ask the uh, team that are on duty this morning who are coming to take up the collection, can you come up? Thank you. Before you take it, can I just pray? Father, we thank you for your lavish grace, your abounding mercy that you've poured out upon us. We thank you, Father, that we are a generous people because you are a generous God. And so, Lord, this morning we bring to you our tithes and offerings. Father, that your gospel can be extended to every single person on this earth, that they would come to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to know what He did on the cross and to know what we have and what we have inherited through that cross. And so, Father, this morning we come. We ask you, Father, that these finances, Lord, that you would give us wisdom in stewarding them, but that, Father, that the word of the gospel would go out into the people of this nation and of this world. In Jesus' name. Amen. I must say, I love special occasions. I really do. I, uh, thanks, Jimmy. He, he, him and I, we both love them. But uh, I really, I love special occasions. And uh, during the year, we have a whole lot of special occasions. And it's a good excuse to get together with people, not so? And generally, because we like eating, it's a good excuse to get together with people and eat. You see, those things must go together. If you meet people, you must eat, not so? Amen. Oh, a lot more of you agree, yes. And uh, for some reason, and I don't know why, Easter is one of those holidays that always seems to get some people riled up. And um, I was listening to the radio this week. I was traveling in my car. And uh, the radio announcer was having a dig at Christianity and uh, the Christian faith because we celebrate Easter. And so uh, he went on about how this Easter festival, you know, originally it was a pagan festival. And uh, in reality, he couldn't see how these Easter eggs and the Easter bunny fitted in with the Christian faith. And so I was driving along, now being a good citizen, I didn't want to use my cell phone because I didn't have a car kit, you know what I mean? And, um, and so I thought, I really want to phone in and speak to this guy. And he also didn't give his number of the studio. And, um, and so if I could phone in, I probably would have said something like this. I would have said, hello, this is Brad, I'm from Durban, and uh, I've been a Christian for many years. I think you're missing the point of why Christians celebrate Easter. Could I start by saying I love all those chocolate eggs and chocolate Easter bunnies that I get from family and friends? 
I'm a chocoholic. And I've never sought any help, nor do I want to ever seek any help with my chocolate problem. I also have a problem when it comes to hot cross buns. I love them with fresh farm butter, with jam, and with a good coffee. When my kids were younger, I used to love hiding Easter eggs in the morning and watch with delight as they squealed with joy as they discovered these Easter eggs under the shrubs in the garden. In fact, my one daughter is 18 now. My other daughter has got married. And they still like to look for Easter eggs in the garden. It's something we do as a family. And we love being together during this time. As an aside, if we miss any Easter eggs, I have two dogs. That find those Easter eggs we missed. The reason I know this is that the following morning when I get up, I see dog poo glinting in the morning sun. Chocolate, hot cross buns and bunnies are fun. But it's not why we celebrate Easter. On Easter Friday, we remember that God, who became man, called Jesus Christ, was crucified for our sin. So that once again, we could be brought into a right relationship with the eternal, everlasting, ever-loving God. We also celebrate Easter Sunday because that is the same day that that very same God who became man and was crucified on the Friday rose from the dead on the Sunday through His resurrection. He ensured that in Him we would have eternal life. God did all of this because He loves you and He loves me. The cross was not a mistake because the Scriptures tell me it was planned a long time ago before you or I were ever born. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it says that Jesus was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. As regards eternal life, that too was promised by God long, long ago. In the book of Titus, the Apostle Paul says that God promised believers eternal life before the ages began. Which I'm sure you would agree is a long, long time ago. Despite my chocoholic existence at Easter... I must say that I probably could do without those yummy Easter eggs and tasty hot cross buns. But I don't know what I would do without Christ in my life. In truth, no matter what the world adds to Easter, Christ will always be central for me. Thank you for listening to my call and have a Christ-filled Easter. And then I would ring off. You see, today is Easter Friday. It is. And this is the day we celebrate Christ's crucifixion. You know, the primary symbol of our Christian faith is the cross. And it always has been. And Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And this is at the heart of the gospel called the good news. Now, the good news that we proclaim is not always good news for the rest of the world. Because in the Christian account, Jesus died... So that God could forgive sin. And in the book of Colossians 2.13, this is what it says. It says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, who was Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses. 
Do you know that to the world this is ludicrous? Why did Jesus have to die? They will ask, why couldn't God just forgive us? And so Brad, this God that you speak about sounds vengeful. You know that he's like the gods of those primitive times who needed to be appeased by human sacrifice. And so I'd say, no, no, this is not the God that I know. He's a loving God. Then why did Jesus have to die? Well, let me use a real world example to illustrate my point. A good friend one morning comes to you and says, listen, would you mind if I borrowed your car? My car is at the mechanic and I really need to get somewhere. Could I please borrow your car? And being the good friend that you are, you say, sure. And so as he gets into the car, he's saying goodbye. He's looking at you and not looking at the gate. He misjudges and reverses the car into the gatepost. Not only does he knock the gatepost down, he knocks half the garden fence down. <laughs> Someone's been there. And say your house insurance doesn't cover it. Someone's also been there. What options do you have? Well, let me tell you that essentially there's only two options available. Option number one. <laughs> we are Christians, do not shoot him. Option number one. You can demand he pay for the damages. But option number two, you could refuse to let him pay for anything. There is a third option. It's kind of middle of the road. It's where you both share the cost. But that's a middle of the road option. But notice that in every option that I presented, he pays, you pay, you both pay, is that someone is going to pay for the damage. The cost is going to be borne by somebody. The debt does not just vanish into thin air. It's very real. There is a debt and someone must pay. And so, uh, this, you know, that this is a simple example. It's economic. You know that some wrongs we can't assess in economic terms. What about the loss of your happiness? What about the loss of some of your freedom? What if that was taken from you or robbed from you? What about your reputation? What if that was taken from you or robbed from you? Some things cannot be assessed with rands and cents. You know that you, it's difficult to put a price tag onto these things. It really is. When we've been seriously wronged, we feel that there's a debt, a debt has been incurred, and uh, it must be dealt with. Somebody must pay. There's been a debt. Who's going to pay the debt? And so a while back I had some guys come into my home during the night when I was sleeping and uh, help themselves to a whole lot of my stuff. Now I didn't say they could take it, but they took it anyway. And so when I woke up that morning and found that some people had been in my house and removed a whole lot of my things, I, um, uh, and that I'd been robbed, I ran outside, I ran all the, up the driveway. And uh, I'm not sure what, what I was thinking when I did that, because I ran up the driveway and I was standing there in my sleeping shorts. Now the only thing that got scared was the neighborhood dogs. I'm glad some of the neighbors didn't see me because I think it would have wrecked our relationship forever. But the fact is that when you've been wronged, a debt has been incurred. And so the two options open to you, someone must pay. First option is to seek 
that the perpetrator pays. That's what you want. He must suffer for the wrong that he's done. You know, I tell you, you can plan a whole lot of ways to hurt people. I tell you, well, first thought that went through my mind, mm, if I catch these guys, I'm telling you, it went through my, come on, it goes through your mind. I'm not the only one. You think of all sorts of ways to inflict pain on them. If I find him, I'm telling you, I will hurt him and pray for healing later. I'm telling you, that goes through our mind, not so? Yes. Evil's been done to you. Yes, it has. Evil has been done to you. But you know that when you try and extract payment by revenge, the evil doesn't disappear. It doesn't. In fact, it just spreads. Tragically, it's going to spread to you in your life and in your character. Because that's what revenge does. But there's a second option. You can forgive. You see, that is a second option. You can forgive that person for the wrong or the evil that they've done. In essence, forgiveness means refusing to let them pay for what they've done. That's what forgiveness is. And so by forgiving someone, you are going to forego the consolation of inflicting deep pain on that person. That's what you're going to forego. You are going to absorb the debt and you will pay the price. You will pay the cost. And the cost will be upon yourself. But Brad, you don't understand what they've done. In fact, these same guys came back another two times to my house and took more stuff away. Wrongdoers have inflicted damage and we want payback. So why did Jesus have to die? Because of sin, yours and mine. That's why He had to die. You know, in the book of Deuteronomy, you'll find it in Chronicles 1 and 2, and you'll find it in Kings. It says, each one shall be put to death for his own sin. That's what it says. In Romans 3.23, it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans 5 verse 12, it says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that was Adam, and death through sin. So death spread to all men. Because all sinned. In Romans 6.23 it says this. For the wages of sin is death. And finally in 1 John 5.17 it says all wrongdoing is sin. You see from the scriptures it's clear all of us have sinned. Every single one of us. None of us, none of us have not sinned. We have all sinned. And that the punishment for that sin is death. That's what the scriptures tell us. But you see, God understands the seriousness of sin. He really does. Every sin is a personal offense against God and our Creator. Every single sin. In that sense, there are no little sins. Oh, this is just a small thing. No, there are no little sins. Every sin a person commits places you at enmity with a holy God. Every single one. Should it surprise us then that there is a loving God revealed in the New Testament as God the Father? Revealed in the New Testament. Who's determined to forgive us rather than punish us. For all the ways that we've wronged Him and one another. Every single one. Do you know that He went to the cross in the person of Jesus Christ? And then He died there bearing your sin and bearing my sin. Forever. My past sin, present sin, and my future sin.
Do we serve a loving God? Oh yes we do. We certainly do. You see, God did not inflict pain on someone else. But rather on the cross He inflicted it on Himself. The violence and the evil of the world He took upon Himself. See, the God of the Bible is not like those primitive gods who demanded that you sacrifice blood, sometimes your children, to appease them. Our God is not like that. Rather, our God is a God who becomes human and comes to earth and He offers His own blood in order to honor justice and to be merciful in love to you and to me. He did this so that someday He can destroy all evil without destroying us. That's why He did that. Gandhi was a great Indian pacifist and uh, he was a great leader and he commented like this once. He said, I could accept Jesus as a martyr, a divine teacher and an embodiment of sacrifice. His death on the cross was a great example to the world. But you know, the cross is not an example for the world. By virtue of the definition of an example is something that we should aspire to or an example of what we should do. Something we should emulate. That's the definition of an example. But we could never emulate what Jesus did on the cross. Never ever. Jesus' death was not a great example to the world. It was absolutely necessary to rescue us. It was not an example you and I could follow. Because only He could do it. And so in John 1.29, John the Baptist sees Jesus walking towards him. And John the Baptist says this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus was the only one who could go to the cross for you and me. The only one. No one else could do it. Our sin in God's eyes meant death to us. Sin against God that meant that a debt had been incurred. And a debt had to be paid. God paid it. He paid it Himself. There was a penalty for sin. It was called death. And God bore that Himself for you and for me. You know, in the mid-90s, there was a theological conference. And uh, one chap got up and uh, he was a speaker at the conference. And he said this. He said, we don't need all that weird stuff about the blood and the cross. We must concentrate on teaching how God is a God of love. Let me tell you this this morning. If you take away the cross, you do not have a God of love. Because of the cross, we have a God of love. If you want to explain to somebody about the love of God, explain to them about the cross. And they will come to understand the love of God. In Colossians and Ephesians, it tells us that we've been reconciled to God through the cross. It also says that the blood of the cross brings us at peace with God. That's the power of the cross. You know that on the cross, justice and mercy don't lose out. In fact, they fulfilled it once. Jesus' death was necessary if God was going to take seriously justice and still love us. The cross had to take place. And so there's a verse we know so well, John 3:16, And it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, what's at the very core of that verse? Love? Is it, um, is, is it about giving? 
Or is it about eternal life? I want to suggest this morning that it's actually about the word perish. Because if you think about the, word, the verse, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Death is at the foundation of that verse. Eternal death. A destiny inescapable by our own efforts. But humanly speaking, none of us has eternal hope of anything except to perish. Yet this inescapable fact brought a response from God the Father. Right deep from His heart. He so loved the world, He gave His only Son, so we would not perish. You know that uh, when we have come to that place of of proclaiming Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, and believing what He did on the cross, and our life is different, this is what the Scriptures tell us. In 1 John 4.15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. 1 John 5 verse 12, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And 1 John 5.13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. See, the truth is, Easter is all about Christ. Every single time. The problem is not the chocolate or the hot cross bun or the bunnies. It's the person of Christ. Oh, Brad, you can say anything you want under any circumstances, but please do not say Jesus Christ over Easter. Talk about pagan festivals, chocolate bunnies, hot cross buns, but no Christ. And for goodness sake, do not say Son of God. Please. Through the Son of God, because what happened on the cross, we as believers can now abide with God, holy God. We can come into His presence because of what, of what Christ did on the cross. We have eternal life in the presence of God because of what Jesus Christ, Son of God, did on the cross. Even Satan tempted Christ. He said, if you the Son of God. He knew the ramifications if Jesus was the Son of God. Do you know that even the demons, you can go and read in the New Testament, even the demons knew who Jesus was. You can go read, they cried out when Jesus came near, Oh, you are the Son of God. I want to say to those people that say, oh, he wasn't the Son of God. I said, Booty, read in the New Testament, even the demons knew. Where does that put you? Aina! Say it nicely, because we're Christians. But Easter Friday is about the Son of God on the cross. I came across an interview with Bono a little while ago. And an interviewer asked him, they said this, Tell me, Bono, Christ has to rank among the world's greatest thinkers. But Son of God, is that not a little far-fetched? And I'm going to read his response. He said this, No, it's not far-fetched to me. Look, the secular response to the Christ story always goes like this. He was a great prophet, obviously a very interesting guy. Had a lot to say on the line of other great prophets, Elijah, Buddha, Confucius, But actually, Christ doesn't allow you that. He doesn't let you off the hook. Christ says no. 
I'm saying I'm not the teacher. Don't call me teacher. I'm saying I'm not a prophet. I am the Messiah. I'm saying I'm God incarnate. And people say, no, no, please, just be a prophet. A prophet we can take. We've had John the Baptist eating locusts and honey. We can handle that. But do not mention the M word. Because we know we're going to have to crucify you if you tell us you're the Messiah. See, and Jesus goes on. He says, no, no, no. I know you're expecting me to come back with an army and set you free from these Roman creeps. But actually, I am the Messiah. At this point, everyone starts staring at their shoes and says, Oh no, he's going to keep saying this. And so they crucify him. You see, Bono's words reflect the very essence of why Christ was crucified. He was the promised Messiah. The one that would save us. Allow us to have eternal life in the presence of God. He died so that you and I, as imperfect people, could come into the presence of a holy God. So that you and I could come into an intimate relationship again with God the Father. Where sin had caused man to be separated from God, Jesus Christ was crucified, so we once again could come into the presence of God as children come to a father. That is why Christ died. You see, it was God the Father who in His love purposed our salvation and put everything together for our redemption. And it was His Son through whom the Father accomplished it. And because of what Christ accomplished, when you submit your life to the Lordship of Christ and you are born again, by the Spirit of God, who takes everything God gave His Son, He makes it real to you and me. Just as Jesus promised the Spirit of God would do. John 16 verse 14 says this, He will glorify me, for He will take up what is mine and declare it to you. You see, the Spirit of God is God's precious gift. He's our counselor, and He's our friend. And He implements in your life what the Son completed on the cross, according to the Father's eternal plan of redemption. You know that today is a day when we reflect on what Christ accomplished on the cross. Today is a day when we rejoice that once again we remember we have unfettered presence of God in our lives. No strings attached. Today is the day we acknowledge that His mercy and His grace was just poured out upon us. You know that those who have proclaimed Jesus Christ as Savior, we proclaim Jesus as our Savior, we are born again. Today is Good Friday. Amen? Because Good Friday means we can be born again. That's why it's called Good Friday. Because it's a Good Friday. If you're here this morning and asking, Hey, what's all this about born again? It's all about who Jesus was and what He did. And what you have available to you. You see, in the Gospel of Matthew, we're told that there was a centurion and some of his men watching over Jesus. And when they saw what took place, they were filled with awe. And they said this, truly this was the Son of God. What had happened that day had pierced their hearts. They realized who Jesus really was. And so I want to end with this this morning. If you are here this morning and your heart's been stirred, is Jesus Christ my Savior? 
does He have lordship over my life? If your eyes have been opened to who Jesus really is, then you're in good company. You see, Jesus declared that He is the way, the truth, and the life. He declared it from the Scriptures. If you want Jesus to be first in your life, if you're willing to submit to His Lordship over your life, and if you're saying you want an intimate relationship with God, then I want you after the service to come and see me here at the front. I want to introduce you to this journey that you're going to take. That as a child would come to their father. You know that in the scriptures it says, seek God and you'll find Him. Let me tell you, we don't have to seek God. He comes looking for us. And He says, He draws all men unto Himself. If you've been stirred this morning, I want you to come and speak to me. If you do not have Jesus as your Savior and Lord of your life, please come and speak to me if your heart has been stirred. I'm going to end the service this morning. Don't worry about people driving off without you. I'll give you a lift home. But you know that what happened today happened for you and for me. If you've got any questions, I want you to come up and speak to us. Some elders will also be at the front. This is not a time when you have the stirring in your heart to walk away. God is drawing you near. You know that um, God our Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, work together and they draw us unto the Father. This relationship is a wonderful relationship. It is God pouring out His love upon you and us responding to His love. You know that in Acts, Peter spoke to the crowds. And then they said to him, they said, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God wants to pour His love upon you this morning. And so I want to thank you that today is a day. You say, Lord, thank you for what you did on the cross. I want to pray before we go. And I want to remind those of you, if you have a stir in your heart, please come forward as we, are, as we part our ways in the service. Come forward and speak to us. We would like to pray with you. We would like to help you. We would like to disciple you on this journey. Let me tell you, it's a wonderful journey. All of us made that decision. We were drawn towards the Father. We said, yes, Lord, we want you to be our Savior. And so, Father, this morning we want to thank you. We want to thank you that you are merciful and gracious, God. You loved us so much that you came to earth and was crucified on a cross so we could be reconciled to you. Lord, you took our debt and you paid it yourself. Your abounding love for us, Father, draws us to you. And so, Father, we thank you this morning that this is our Good Friday. We thank you, Father, that your Son sacrificed his life, that our sins would be remembered no more. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Father. You've given us everything for life and godliness. And we give praise to your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Steve's just going to say something here. Thanks, for the outstanding word. Uh, just sitting here now, just before we go, I just felt to... An encouragement for us that, that this wonderful gospel we heard about this morning. Why don't we make an, just an active pursuit of, of pursuing His presence over this weekend? 
and not to leave you having heard something that maybe we think applied to us when we got saved, but, but to include Jesus very intimately and personally. Just over this weekend, to be reflecting, to be practicing His presence, saying, Lord, I know this is real for me. And, and if, if that's not how you living right now in terms of just a sense of Him in every moment over the course of the weekend, all we have to do is say, Lord, give me the, that desire. Give me that desire to know you intimately and walk in fellowship with you. So, Lord, we do. We ask for that desire to come. That this weekend would be known not just for having attended a service, but for just having the fragrance of your presence as we reflect on you, as we draw you into every moment of this weekend, as we celebrate this weekend, as we spend it with you. And in our conversations and in our quiet times and in our fun times, that we'd be very conscious of you being with us over this weekend. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless. Thanks, Brad.